I did that growing up like in a house that wasn't very safe for me as a person. And I internalized like, this is my home. I am, I'm good. I am strong. I can Mm. keep going. And now, I mean, I have a home with my partner where I'm completely safe. And that was like you said, like this manifestation of, you know, the out, Mm -hmm. the inward towards the outward. And I think it's important for Mm -hmm. people to learn how to make your space safe for you and not hate it. Mm -hmm. Yes. To be safe within Mm -hmm. your own hands, to be safe in your own hands and to really know that like your body is not a meat prison. Welcome to the Making Spaces podcast, season two. This is our very first guest. What? Are we, we are reco- right now. Are we recording? Okay, cool. I, nope. Do I need to record on my end? <laughs> okay, try it again. No, Sorry. I that part. Okay, welcome. <laughs> You're fine. I'm so sorry. Welcome to the Making Spaces podcast, season two, to our very first interview. There. Uh, well, first, let's introduce ourselves. So I'm Sarah Heath, and this is... Josie Jimenez. And together we are <laughs> the girl band making spaces. <laughs> Listen, I'm here. I'm here for an all girls summer fun band. That yes. sounds good to um, me. So I can't play anything. I mean, but you sing. Doesn't Why matter. Do you, you don't need you to. Didn't lead a worship team. I was like 12. Oh. Yo, called out. Oh, whoops. Yeah, oh. still. I was a very strict leader. I can um, You really kept them together. I'm actually really nervous about this episode. So this is interviewing one of my favorite space makers of all time, uh, Kevin Garcia. They are a spiritual coach, spiritual life coach, help people really sort of navigate their story, kind of get into like what's holding them back. Seminary graduate, which of course, former missionary, kind of a fun story to tell. Uh, Someone who talks about body empowerment, someone who does... YouTube uh, is now, I'm gonna say an Instagram celebrity. Uh, mm. Yeah, in my mind, in my world. <laughs> ew, I know. Um, but also just one of the nearest and dearest uh, to my heart because of the incredible way that Kevin makes space for people. And also, if you guys need tarot card reader, which we'll get into, um, really just sort of breaks boundaries, welcomes people into their own story. So. With no further ado, ladies and gentlemen, and anything in between, the Kevin Garcia. <laughs> meow, meow, meow. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having oh, me once you again. You're so welcome. So, we, you and I, the first episode ever of the Making Spaces podcast, and may I add, mm-hmm. the most listened to episode of the Making Spaces contest. Wow. Contest. Podcast. Listen, I, contest. Every day is a contest. We're competing with ourselves and I get first place every <laughs> you time. You are a winner. <laughs> um, but you and I talked oh, about silly. one of your favorite spaces being your co-working space. So I want to revisit mm. that story um, because I want to revisit now mm. that we have gone through, I think, three years of sheltering in place um, <laughs> because of COVID-19. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just about four yeah. or five centuries. I've aged. You know. Uh, but um, where would you say now is your favorite space and why? Mm, well, I would say my favorite space right now is um, my friend Daniel's back porch. Um, because, so I've got my 
people have been calling them pods or squads quarantine. or whatever, but like these are like the only the quarantine. Um, uh, these are the only people I've spent any meaningful time with um, in the past six, seven months, nine, you know, six or seven months. Uh, so Daniel is one of my friends, um, you know, knowing what, like we all like, I trust my squad. We social distance as much as possible. We wear masks in public. We don't, you know, go into like large events with our face uncovered, you know, those kinds of things. Um, but oftentimes on a Tuesday, Thursday night, I didn't realize how much money I was spending on booze at the bar until I realized how cheap it was to drink at your friend's house. That's a t-shirt so, right like, there. <laughs> <laughs> drink at your friend's house. That's a, that's a drink. Oh my God. That's actually, oh, listen, let's start a bar Stop called your it. friend's house. But, and we'll just sell beer out of a cooler in the backyard. But then we'd still have to upcharge. So it'd be the same. Yeah, they okay. won't know that. People though. will pay a just lot like a for the idea. Cheaper, yeah. we gotta, a dollar we gotta, cheaper than everywhere else. That we're, we're selling the fantasy, you know, of like making it real comfortable. I one time when I was in LA, I actually went to a bar that was inside of the refrigerator. <laughs> oh, like a speakeasy. Yeah, it was like a refrigerator at this end of the at the end of this alleyway, and I'm like, is this it? It was a completely unmarked, but you go inside, and it's like the That's cutest little thing. LA. That I just hate. I just need White you to know. White man came in and said, let's have a bar inside of a fridge. Just so you know, Josie is uh, Angelino <laughs> and um, is currently in captivity in Orange County because of her partner. He's, he's from, the... is he from Orange County? How did you end up here? No, he's from Laverne, which is uh, LA County, but, you know, real bouge. Real bouge. Mm. Yeah, she's... Um, she's yeah. slightly judgmental. So why I was nervous Sli- about... Oh, no, 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 no. You know, I am to- incredibly judgmental. And I will hold that in my heart Absolutely. Why, yeah, why I was nervous should. about this episode is I actually think that you two are going to be best friends. And I'm going to have to, at some point, both of you challenge me to take up more space as a human, like my personal space. And yeah. um. And I'm always like, oh, no, 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 no. But you say the thing that I should yeah. say, but don't. So, yes, back to your space on Daniel's patio. Yeah, my space. Daniel's back porch is the space where me and my friends will go. We'll share a J. We'll smoke uh, some good. Okay, so my favorite thing is blending other smokable herbs with cannabis. Are, um, am I allowed to talk I about cannabis on the show? Or what you do. Okay. Um but I blend like I'll blend like rose hips and um, rose hips, lavender, and a little bit of blue lotus flower. Let me I tell you like what. You like grandma. It's so exactly good. Exactly what I want to hear. <sighs> it's. Um, but that's what we'll do. We'll hang out. Um, we'll share. You know, um, tonight um, Daniel's making enchiladas, and then we're gonna watch um, Black Panther. Uh, uh, R.I.P. Chadwick Boseman. <gasps> Wakanda forever. I I don't um I don't typically I got really sad when I heard but I I cannot know what I will feel. I probably won't cry um just because that's not where my how my emotions work. I only cry if I'm feeling uh personally like attacked. <laughs> um and that's after I've yelled at somebody and then I feel bad about yelling and I cry about the fact that I had to yell yeah, at somebody. Yeah, I mean, somebody. it is a superhero movie, so I don't know how emotional it'll be. The only, I did see it in theaters. Yeah. I did too, twice. Movies. I saw it twice. It's the only one I've ever seen. But it's just like the Michael B. Jordan line towards the end where he's like, bury me at sea. Oh. And I was like, oh. 
Yeah. With my people. I have oh my god. Guys, why am I so easy? Because you're easily moved by powerful things because you're in powerful. with your feelings. Can you notice how powerful I am? It's true. Yeah. That's actually a really like the fact that you're moved is the fact that you're connected and alive. It's so lovely. when you are uh, doing the work that you do, taking up the space that you mm. take up, um, yeah. I'm so fascinated by folks like you who do public theology, we'll call it. You're welcome. Yeah. I love the idea of just kind of opening a space for people to investigate their own beliefs and thoughts and feelings, but you never own other people's um, thoughts and mm -hmm. feelings. When you're creating the content that you create, do you have someone in mind or are you just doing it like, okay, I'm just going to say my truth? Or are you wondering mm -hmm. if you're kind of opening space for other people? How are you, when you're creating these videos, The even your Instagram posts lately have been very intentional as space making or opening up. What are you doing when you're creating those? Uh, it's, um, I'm realizing, I'm trying to do this thing my friend Arvi taught me called um, content prisming, <laughs> which is a fancy way of saying, I'm going to take where, like, wherever I make a piece of content, whether it's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, like a Facebook post, which is basically a blog now anyways. Fair. You know, because everyone's, seriously, because, like, nobody wants to go to a separate thing to read 2,000 words. Your blog, microblogging, baby. Same thing with Instagram. Um, when I'm creating something, I'm thinking about, I was talking, my coach told me, he's like, Kevin, you know, all the answers, but you don't know the questions yet. That's the problem. So I'm thinking about who is back at the beginning of the road that Ooh. I started on. Where was Kevin five years ago? What was the question, um, they were asking at the time? So I, I think about, okay, my first big question I had to work through was, how do I square the Bible with my faith? So right now I'm working on a workshop called the Big Queer <laughs> Bible Study. I'm just, and the thing about you is so how gonna, subtle you are. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I, I really want to give people a sense of mystery and ambiguity <laughs> going into all of my work. I want to yeah. be very aloof. But yeah, so it's, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about what are the questions people, you know, five years back from me are asking. Um, and then I also have to remember that like my life has kind of had an, like an accelerated period of growth over these five years. So I think I experienced 10 years of yeah, growth in five. I would say that's true. To kind of catch up for the fact that I was like hating myself for most of my life. So now I feel like on par as like a competent 30 you know, That's really interesting that you say you hated uh, yourself for most of your life, because I feel like so much of what you do questions people like makes people question, like, what if I liked myself? What if I accepted parts of myself I never have? Um, and I think mm -hmm. that you radiate a sense of confidence, but also, um, vulnerability of like, but not every day, you know? Yeah. It's the thing. Like I, I talk to like, um, twice a week I have my groups. I, I uh, have a group coaching program right now. And so I'll get on the line with, you know, four to seven humans, depending on who's able to make it to the calls. Cause we've got people in Europe who are in this, in this group and also people in South America who are in this group and in the U S it's wild. Um, but I, I ask, we do every single time we get together. I'm like, all right, tops and bottoms, uh, Roby's are diamonds and dirt clods, ro roses and thorns. You know, what's your high, what's your low for the week? What's going on? And so this past week I was just, be, I was able as someone leading a group on 
spiritual health and spiritual reformation, I was able to say, I had a fucking panic attack this weekend, guys. And I realized that I could get myself through it. And I realized how I could change my mind and how like my recovery time went from being two weeks of just like running around in my brain to 24 hours of realizing, oh, I had a really, really strong reaction to something. And now I need to rest and love myself back to health so that I can get back to, you know, the business of feeling good. Yeah, it kind of breaks through that idea that you have to know everything in order to be a public human. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and part of, yeah. oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, part, go ahead. I'll talk forever. You got to interrupt me, girl. <laughs> That's don't, not going to You don't got to tell me twice. <laughs> I was going to say that you, it's like powerful to be like, do this in a group setting where people are not always given permission to have panic attacks. They're not always mm. given permission to go through their feelings but as soon as one person says, hey, I had a panic attack and I learned how to get through it and maybe this will work for you. But we're not always given permission, especially if we're like in a different type of quote unquote lifestyle. If you come from Christian circles. Oh, yeah. And I think that's it's just a really powerful way of being together and making space for each mm -hmm. other. Yeah, it's been really cool because uh, every single person in there in this group does come from some sort of evangelical background or some kind of conservative background. Um, most everyone's queer. Not everybody is. I got one straight cis hat dude. Aww, He's my favorite. You, like, you just have such a heart for the cisgender male. You're so. Listen, because I was in a fraternity, mm. like I know like, and I've got yeah. three brothers. And so like I... I, I do in some, like, there's a part of me that, like, is trying to figure out how do I reach more straight men and tell them it's okay to cry. Mm. Like, that I feel would be a really, I think it could be Absolutely. productive. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, the, the permission and, like, having the space to, you know, break down and say, I'm having a hard time talking to my family right now. You know, I'm having, like, all of these you know, religious and theological and spiritual evolution moments. And, uh, you know, my family does not get it. It's a very painful thing to yes. not have that kind of because connection. Because we all just want to feel people. understood. And so, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the people who are supposed to understand you are your family, quote unquote. And when they don't or they can't, how, what do we do? And that's the question I ask, like, what happens when my expectations of life don't line up with reality? And how do I learn to say, um, okay. Or like, you know, how do I learn to say it's well with my soul? Or how do I at least, how do I mourn it well? Like if I can't have it, whatever it is, love of my family, a lover in general, um, you know, the job that I want, uh, you know, if I can't have that thing, it is now my job to mourn and say, oh, no, I can't have it. Or, oh, no, that person's no longer with us. I can't have their physical presence. Mourn and grieve and so grieve coming some out more. of a church background, I want to say that so often we don't make space for people's lament and mm -hmm. mourning and pain. And yes, I find it really yes, interesting yes. right now that we've really got people who are having a tough time figuring out how to do church in this setting because the narrative that they've always used and always shared is 
everything works out for those who love the Lord. I just wrote that, guys. You're welcome. Um, Listen, thank you for being such a good songstress. <laughs> and I think when when it's a difficult time, not just for like one person, but for like literally all of humanity, you talk about all these people that are calling in from your call. This is the first time in my life um, that I would say coming from an international background, like when I talk to my family in England, when I talk to my family in Canada, we're all having, albeit a little different, but we're all having similar experiences during this uh, time of sheltering in place. And we're having a collective time where um, if a church can't help you or or if a spiritual leader can't help you think through mourning or lamenting, um, if we think God only wants you to win, this is a really difficult time. Of course I want to push to open the churches because that's victory. like I guys, it's a thing. Um, you know. Oh yeah, my family in Mexico. Actually, if you're listening to this, uh, you don't speak English, so I guess it's fine. Um, <laughs> hey. Sorry, you guys don't speak English. <laughs> they Sorry. are so into pushing for like, like that fear. What is it? The fear, faith over fear, or something like that. That catchphrase. Faith over the Lord did not give you a spirit. Right. Of and they're saying like, I'm going to go, these churches have to open and because, you know, the Lord will protect us and we don't have to fear COVID. We won't die. And it's blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, you have these examples in the United States where people are dying. Yeah, Pastors they're, of, they're ch- of mega churches who open yeah. are dying mm-hmm. of COVID. And-, and I'm not saying that actually, I'm not going to say something horrible. I'm so glad <laughs> that I stopped myself. <laughs> Ooh, that's that. See, that's called uh, a filter. You develop that as you get um, older. Look at you maturing. That's what they tell and me. Aging. I mean, yeah. I think. That, go ahead. But that. No, I was just kidding. But that was that's just wild. Like the the idea that like, because like you know like within space we think safety and it's like, uh, like churches because like a, a church building is merely a container yep. for people, right? And the organization of people. I like to say it's like more of like an organism of people, right? There's like these like relational, well, sometimes it's an organization. Other times it's an organism. When it's an organization of people, then it's just like, it's very impersonal. But if it's an organism, it can learn right. to adapt. Yeah, it should. I've, I've been so right? surprised how people have, I mean, it's absolutely difficult and hard. And how do we do it in this? Mm-hmm. And then what? how do we monetize? How do we figure out the idea of mm-hmm. like, are we doing this well? Are we reaching people or, and caring for people in the way we should be? And we don't have the metrics in the way that we used to. Um, and we're mm-hmm. so afraid because we've bought into that narrative of like failing looks like not nailing it on all these weird metrics that don't really matter anyway. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so interesting to see people just sort of like hold tight to the space that they think they should be holding tight to. And I can't help but think back to the, even if you want to go all biblical with it, but this I always, I know that's the thing I love. You are my friend who quotes scripture to me the most. I'm a good Christian woman. (laughs) It's true. I'll just be like, I'm thinking this and you're like, bless this. And I got a whole degree in it. I got a whole degree in practical theology. It's like the thing I had to reference. I got like, like I would like quote like non-Christian folks in some of my papers. And I'm not saying my theology professor didn't like it, but I'm not saying <laughs> that he loved it. Well, I was just thinking like, if we look biblically, the times when Jesus spoke against things is when people tried to build a, a pattern or a, 
thing around something. Like, you know, I think about like the story of the transfiguration. Sorry for the listeners who are not within the faith, but you know what? We, we everyone. A little fun. It's facts. okay. I'm Just going explain to explain it a little bit. So yeah, so there's this idea of uh, Jesus, the spiritual leader, is um, there's this profound moment from where folks from the past are seen visible by including with Jesus's followers and they've, they've been kind of napping. So Jesus asked them to come with him for this moment. It's the moment night before he's supposed to be crucified, shows up some of the leaders of the church in the past. Moses and Abraham. I can't wait for our musical. Um, So they show up and immediately one of the disciples says, I want to build like a shrine to this i want to like this is the moment i'm going to build the church around this and jesus is like nah that's that's, jesus like nah Nah. we're good um because the idea is like at any time when we try to like you're right become an organization versus an organism it's super problematic Mm -hmm. says the girl who's part of a very hierarchical system but i think people are searching for that hierarchy and wanting to go back to church right they say like i'm not afraid of covid so i'm gonna go to church but what they're really afraid of is having to think for themselves like having to think about their spirituality on on their own without like this like peer Mm -hmm. pressure from those sitting around you in church i mean this is like what i've noticed people that i've grown up going to church with have really been not into the fact that I think deeply about faith and don't necessarily think that what the pastor is saying is absolute truth. That's and really hurtful. Okay. <laughs> no offense. But when you're like stuck at home and you don't have the pastor, like you have the choice, you're like, oh, I don't, do I have to listen to what this guy is saying? He's not right in front of me. There's no like accountability of presence. And I think people mm-hmm. are really fearful of that. So this time when they have space. Yeah, because people, yeah, it's because people have been taught that they're bad, bad, bad. And the way that they get rid of the bad, bad, bad is to be around the Mm -hmm. good, good, good people. And the good, good, good people go to church. And so this is how I know, like, this is my metric for how good I am. Am I attending church? Am I uh, a part of, am I, you know, am I checking my boxes? And like the evangelical church in general, all these churches who want to go back they have this fear of uh, angry and vengeful god that if i don't go into the temple and feed god and feed yahweh because this is also like it goes back to this ancient ancient fear in the ancient world people believed that it was their job to work to right. feed the gods because the gods mm-hmm. needed to right. eat and so it's the same sort of thing just like if we don't show up and give a sacrifice of praise how yeah if i'm not the know? pentecostal with my it's arms like, up in the air speaking tongues during worship am i really communicating with the lord not to call my parents out or anything probably, probably not. not sorry dad probably probably not <laughs> I said, you say sorry, <laughs> oh i thought you said furda which is like a thing from a um letter kenny oh, yes. i love letter kenny sorry it's the two brogas like ah, all i have to it. say is this as the actual canadian i love that two of my favorite people watch a show about stereotypical canadians because it's not wrong well because yeah. that it's so different oh it's so outside of my norm you know it's yeah i watch it and i'm like oh there was my childhood it honestly it reminds Does me it? of home like a little mm. bit like Tennessee, Tennessee area, like where I lived. I'm like, there's people just like that. It's definitely hotter down here. And we don't go ice fishing, but we go fishing for like um, catfish, which is like the only, like, I love fried catfish. And catfish is like the bottom of the barrel kind of It has fish. a mustache. Delicious. <laughs> uh, 
It is to put some cornmeal on that, dip it in some ketchup. Oh, now you guys are making me sad that I haven't been back to the South in, gosh, seven months, nine months. Well, when I have a house and you want to come make some spaces with me. I love that. I love that. Um, Okay, so talking about your friend's back porch. Oh my no, God, no, no, yeah. no. It's okay. We've covered why you love it so much. Um, because the next thought I have is, as you think about the space that you want to create, not just as a creative, but also mm-hmm. you just mentioned, you just told us the, yeah. the good news, which is that you bought a house, which it was so fun because we've been talking about this for months and months and months. And it's always about what will happen in the house, why that space is important. What is it about having a space, mm-hmm. a home, that you're looking forward to? How will you make space for other people in that? Yeah. Well, I think there was a transformative moment I had a couple weeks ago in a conversation with my my present roommate, John. Um, So we're not going to be living together in this house like I I was hoping we would just because, you know, you can live, I think you can live with your friends sometimes. Me and John are not the best match to live together for, you know, a few different reasons. But one of the things I was picking up on as I was talking to him, I said, like, you know, one of my problems with like, I, one, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an adult with ADD. So like sometimes task completion is hard, especially when I'm stressed Having out. Having had you bake in um, my house, I know this. My God, like trying, like I, that was, that was the hardest You did thing. such a good job. Follow, following a recipe to bake bread. Oh, that's difficult. <laughs> Anyways. Um, I, I started realizing that like part of me having this impulse and like this desire to buy a home is because I think for a long time, the idea of home has not been safe for me or I've never had like a place where like I could completely go and really relax and make a space my own it's always been a place that i'm renting or it's always a place that like is only going to be temporary for a couple years and there was a part of me that was really fearful about doing this but then like as covid has set in and like social distancing has been a thing i have desired more and more and more to have a space where like i actually a enjoy being b feels like mine and like there's like there's a sense of like being able to create a home for oneself as an adult I think it's a little maybe a little rite of passage of some Mm -hmm. of some kind because I think for me it marks um like a change of season for me of where like I feel like I've been running a long time and having to go to a different place and don't get me wrong as soon as the world opens up I'm traveling my ass off but I want to start creating this home as a space where more people can come to it because I want it's, it's big enough. Like it has the space to host retreats in it. Like the living space alone is deliciously large and I can just see how I can set up the room already to have people sit around in a circle and talk about mystery and shit. I've got a bedroom with an ensuite bathroom with a really beautiful shower, like in a huge like rainy shower head. I'm like, this is like the shit I like put on Etsy, <laughs> yeah, you know? And so this is like, I'm excited to build this space because A, I want it to be home for me and B, I want to teach other people how to build home within oh, themselves. That's I the love that. Build a home within yourself. It's funny. We, this will be the first interview that airs, but we've done a couple of interviews just lining it all up. And Mm. one of the conversations really led us in this direction of like building that space within yourself first and seeing yourself as a home. And, you know, 
Mm-hmm. The thing about scripture that we yeah. can say again and again is that there are some incredible truisms. Like I, my body is a temple does not necessarily yeah. mean like my body is a temple, but um, it does mean it it's is a dwelling, dwelling place. place and, and, and it's, it's sacred, sacred and it's um, yeah. It, 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 I think we've for so long hated our, our bodies, our, our, like our, yes. our, the physical and horrible theologies mm. out of that. And I love how you do so much work to sort of mend people's understandings of that, normalize saying, yeah, your body's super weird. Everybody's body is, but it's great. <laughs> like, that's kind of like. Sounds exactly. This is how we know. I know we talk so much is because I'm like, wow, that actually sounds <laughs> We like talk me. almost daily, <laughs> but I think it's so it's good. Um, as someone who formerly struggled with, I would say body dysmorphic disorder, you know, I, and I still do. We know I still do. Um, I mean, you're the only human I've ever sent. Like this is me in a bathing suit and I feel good about it. Uh, Cause I just have Mm. always, no matter the level of perfection from outside visions, it, it never Mm -hmm. felt like it was good enough or acceptable enough and lovable Mm. and all these sort of things. And I think if we think about our body as the place where our spirit dwells and and not separate, so this very integrated understanding of making space within ourselves so, so that then we can make space for others, it, mm-hmm. it helps kind of like I the self-care world, there there is a sense where self-care is amazing, but I I really I don't want it to be like I need to take a bubble bath seven times, you know, three times a day and I can't come into work today because I need self-care. Now, sometimes you do need a mental health day, but I think if we're looking at ourselves as this sort of temple, as this space, we start to like see, see like, how Mm -hmm. can I caregive for this space in a way that it, like a home, like, because Mm -hmm. yeah. I think something, something you said a minute ago really resonates, like building, like building a home within yourself because um, something I kind of believe, not always, but I will say like, there's the idea of that your outer world sometimes will reflect mm-hmm. your internal world. Yeah. Like if you, so the idea of building a home within oneself, it, I was like, oh, well, it makes sense that this home showed up in this way because like I've already done the work to like be ready for it. And I think that's like um, a lot of, it, it's the practice because that's the thing I, I think about like building building a home and, you know, upkeep of a home is yeah. a practice. Just like, you know, your spirit, your dharma, or, or the work that you're here to do, it's a practice. And, like, I've been reading a lot of Thich Nhat Hanh recently. And so in The Art of Living, he talks about the seven bodies. And one of these things he talks about is the spiritual practice body and the continuation body. Where it's just like this, the spiritual practice body is this thing that you keep doing so that even when you encounter life's most, like, egregious and horrible things and also when you encounter the suffering that you inflict upon yourself in your own mind your spiritual practice body is there to support you Mm. through that and the second thing he said is just like the continuation body is like i see myself continued in all of my students just like the rain or the cloud sees itself continuing in a river right like caring for your body is like not just cute and nice and making the space is not just like Oh, I love my outer appearance, but it's also 
<clears throat> when you grow up in like different contexts, like if you grow up as an like LGBTQIA person who is in a toxic environment, mm-hmm. if you are in an abusive household, if you are like trying to escape something, caring for your body becomes right. like a survival tactic. Yep. Like if I have mm-hmm. home within myself, then I can therefore push forward to find home along the road. Right. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, and I it did opens that. up space for other people. Yeah. Right. Like I did that growing up, like in a house that wasn't very safe for me as a person. And I internalized like, this is my home. I am, I'm good. I am strong. I can mm. keep going. And now, I mean, I have a home with my partner where I'm completely safe. And that was like you said, like this manifestation of, you know, the out mm-hmm. the inward towards the outward. And I think it's important for mm-hmm. people to learn how to make your space safe for you and not hate it. Mm-hmm. Yes. To be safe within mm-hmm. your own hands, to be safe in your own hands and to really know that like your body is not a meat <laughs> prison and your body is not like, there's nothing wrong with your body. Like we all think that there's something wrong with our bodies and it's just like, there's nothing wrong with it. It just, it functions mm-hmm. in a particular way. Like sometimes laughing because I was um, acting in a, I, I did acting for a little while. Um, I think it's demanded of you if you, live where I live. Um, and I love acting. Actually, it's one of my first loves. And I remember getting ready to do a, like a, they were filming us for a thing. And they literally, I overheard the director say, all right, someone grab the meat puppets. Mm. <laughs> That's what about you? About all the actors. Grab the meat puppets. <laughs> oh, grab. Ew, no, I don't like think that. Think about how disembodied, like they basically spent forever yeah. setting up the scene. And then our job was to like, show up and deliver the line. And I think so often we treat ourselves like meat puppets. Mm-hmm. They just like show yes. up. Yes, show up and the deliver line, the line. Do the thing, leave. Um, get your paycheck, get your paycheck and, and move on. on. And um, I mean, they were totally joking, but I think- There's like a, 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 a deeper yeah. thing under and that. It's like every sarcastic comment actually are, has a little bit of truth um, to it. Yeah, so I was just thinking that when you said that. I'm really curious, um, uh, Josie, about the uh, about how you found home within yourself. Like, what was the practices that you kept in or developed over time? Oh my gosh! Kept you well, growing up um, in a Latinx household, your the comments on your body are ridiculous, right? Like, you develop nicknames like yeah. Flaca or Gorda or whatever. Like, you have whole. Mm-hmm. identity everybody's talking about what you look like mm-hmm. and what you eat you don't need enough or you're eating too much oh you don't need enough but you're fat or whatever you know like it's a whole i mean we've my family and i are going mm-hmm. through this at the moment boundaries um mm-hmm. so like right. hearing all this stuff and like my mom doing the classic yo-yo dieting i would like i had these mm-hmm. full-length mirrors that i demanded in every one of my homes since then and i would sit in front of them and i would just like stare at myself for hours until I loved myself, until I loved my body. It was intense. I would do that every day. And I still do that when I have, like I'm going through like these low self-esteem points. I'm like, I have these ones again. And I'm like, you got great lips. You got great hair. You got great eyebrows. Your boobs are fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Can I tell you, one of my spiritual practices is waking up every day and uh, standing in front of the mirror naked and telling mm-hmm. myself that I love myself and really mm-hmm. looking at me. What's interesting is like, like when I didn't do that, like I 
when I couldn't tell myself that I love myself, I noticed like how I was treating myself and how I was treating my body, particularly like I've, um, something that quarantine brought out in me was very interestingly enough was some interesting disordered eating behaviors that I'd never experienced before and being able to say, okay, there's nothing shameful about that. You're just reacting a certain way. And so let's, what would feel better? And I just keep asking myself, like, what would make me feel better? And it's not going to the McDonald's every single, you know, for two meals, just because you're so depressed and can't cook, which is like, no shame. There's you no just shame called associated out with any sort of food. Love. I fucking love McDonald's. I fucking <laughs> love McDonald's. Oh, give me a McDouble, a fries, and a Coke, and if I'm pleased. If I miss the 10:30 breakfast oh. that they've reinstituted, I cry. <gasps> no, I love that too. For no, because Chick Fil A yeah. does that too. <laughs> and I've out of myself as a Chick Fil A eater, but my friend, how I, dare you? Oh, I, <laughs> Here's my thing is that like, as a, as a homosexual, <laughs> I feel like, I know, shocker. I feel like it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, if I want to participate in my own oppression and get some chicken, <laughs> that's my business. And I'm allowed to do that because I'm making an informed decision. And I recognize that it's problematic. I know that I'm wrong, but hell. I miss those fries all the you time. What, uh, that's that's the thing. I have to just like think about like on the continuation of things that are a threat to LGBTQ people's lives. Chick Fil A is not at the highest of my list. I would rather uh, eat the chicken sandwich and then pass a law in the state of Georgia that outlaws mm. conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I would rather. It's it's like when people get on my case about using Amazon. I'm like, yes, I know, but the real like here's the true tea. I didn't have the money to produce my own book. Amazon helped me get a really Amen. cheap way of doing that. And on top of that, it paid my bills for the past year. And the other part of that is like, why don't we just tax Jeff Bezos? Tax why don't we pass laws that allow people to have get a living him. wage? Like that's, we don't like Amazon's not evil. Business is not technically evil. The way that we have allowed businesses to run. Right. Like is how many evil. of us don't take advantage of every loophole and every coupon like this not taxing is like a coupon for jeff bezos like i can have all this money guys i have to tell you i'm a i'm an amazon user um and i feel I mean, same we're all we're all outing ourselves today and we're gonna own that and also we're gonna vote for people who are gonna tax the shit out of him and not the shit out of him because i don't want his shit i yeah, want his I want, money yeah mm-hmm. i'll say this i <laughs> really appreciate this mirror idea and i'm also loving that we're joking around about this but mm-hmm. there is something to be said like how do you get out of that? How does looking at mm-hmm. yourself um, open us up in a space that hasn't felt safe to create a space that is safe? Um, both of you are people that mm-hmm. I look up to as far as being comfortable in your own skin. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's hard work. It, it doesn't just happen overnight. No, it's a long journey. I. It can be. It can be a long journey. And I'm also like one of those people where it's like, it's only as long as I want it to be because the space between heaven and hell is Mm -hmm. merely a thought. Now, granted, here's the thing. Is it like the longer we've had, this is like my, my life coach and hypnotherapist brain coming out. The longer we've had an idea lodged in our subconscious. um, So say that idea is my body's not good. 
my body's dangerous. I have to make myself smaller, whatever it is. The longer we've had that idea lodged in our brain, and we've all had it lodged in our brain for most of our life because of patriarchy and white supremacy, the harder it is for us to change that. And on top of that, the more resistant our brain and our body will be to this unfamiliar mm. pattern of thinking. Even if our pattern of thinking or behavior before was dangerous or detrimental to us, it's still familiar. And the traumatized body has been told, this is as good as it gets, you better hold on for dear life. And the truth is, it is not as good as it gets. In fact, it can be much better. So the work that we do, like the, the simple act of standing in front of the mirror and telling your body that you think it's fucking beautiful, that you you tell yourself, because like your body is part of your capital S self. So even if like, this is how I think about it. Every single kind word that I've ever given to myself is the mm. voice of God. Every single time I love myself, that is God's compassion pouring out on me. Every time I allowed myself to take a nap and rest, that is the peace of God coming upon me because mm -hmm. I chose it. And I don't have to wait for somebody else to give that to me because I am one with I am, behold, I am the father I one. That's what Jesus said. I am God, me and the source, me and love, we're one. And so creating the practice of loving myself radically begins with beginning. And one day you wake up after like telling yourself you love yourself and you realize when you open your eyes that you like yourself and you don't have to trick yourself into it anymore. Like at first it feels like you're trying to trick yourself into loving yourself. What's the difference? Because the thing is, again, hypnotherapy facts, your brain will believe whatever mm -hmm. you tell it. Doesn't your brain doesn't care if it's a lie. It doesn't care if it's uh, the truth. So like if I tell myself, I love working out. I love running. I love doing these squats. I love swinging this 80 pound yeah, kettlebell around. I literally around. do love those things. And the thing is, I didn't love them at the beginning of summer, but now I do. I love running. And you know what I did, how I learned to love running? I started running and I kept telling myself every time I wanted to quit, it's like, no, I love this. And my brain was like, oh, I, I do? Whoa. So if I tell my brain, hey, every time you have a shitty thought about yourself, counteract it. Tell yourself that you love yourself. And that literally, that in the moment, switching it up, my, that is mindfulness right. 101 is keep track of my thoughts. And if I am allowing a shitty thought into my home, shitty things might happen. Why would I do that? I don't want that. And if it does come in and I say, oh my God, thank you so much for showing up. Do you have anything else you need to say? Okay, I got other things to do. I love you, I'll see you later. Just send <laughs> okay, them on bye. their way, release them. Bye. Sorry, that was a little bit of a rant about no, rants and shit. It's but. true though, because when I, as someone who can get into like ruminating thoughts about life and what I mean and who I mean to people and, mm -hmm. um, what I, what have I done? And, um, because, you know, truthfully I've been told I have a disordered brain, right? Like from eating disorder mm -hmm. to OCD to ADHD, it's like, you have a disordered brain. Well, I'm someone who achieves. That's what I do. So how can I have mm -hmm. a disordered brain? So I've been taught that my brain is sick. Um, and mm. the first person who suggested to me that I might have ADHD looked at me and said, I think it's a superpower. Sarah, you think about more yeah. things faster than anyone else. And you've been taught that that's a problem because, you know, my, um, my brother is incredible, but he always used to say with me, to me, like, you're air with hair. Because um, I, would, <laughs> I would just say things. The, what the, it's a little, that's it's not a big nice. Um, mm -mm. I know, but 
if I heard that from my big brother, I would sock him well, in the mouth. I mean, this is when we were like teenagers. Or um, then I would have definitely socked him. Hundred <laughs> percent. <in the mouth. laughs> <laughs> but I think because he's, you know, I, I am such an ordered person, and I had so much shame around my brain not being ordered. So like, uh, you guys know me. I like things clean. I like things yes. whatever. But I think it's. Yeah, I don't know how you survive whenever I, I come like to visit you. Like, I try really hard. I like I try to keep all my stuff in like one place if I'm ever sleeping on your couch because I know that I'm like I can't. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, because I didn't I didn't know that it was an actual issue. Like, I didn't know that mm. my inability to be in chaotic spaces is because my brain is already so chaotic mm. that if you know, and I think that the message that I've told myself that somehow I'm sick or disordered. Um, it's been really helpful to have a friend like you that mm -hmm. I'll say things like, ah, oh, my sick brain is stuck on this. And you're like, no, you just didn't get what you wanted. That's normal. But you don't, your yeah. messaging to yourself can often be the hardest thing. And mm -hmm. it actually makes me mm -hmm. not as kind to other people. You know what I mean? Because I, mm -hmm. I notice in myself the thing that yes. bothers me most about other people often Oh, the thing that I me. don't like about myself the most or the thing I'm having trouble mm -hmm. accepting. Um, right. Yeah. Like in, a, in the Latin household, your family is telling you that you have a terrible body because that's what they believe about their own body. I mean, yeah, the yo-yo dieting mm -hmm. is the perfect example. My mom did this and she doesn't like her yeah. body. So she's ready to nitpick every part of mine. Ugh. Mm -hmm. That's it. And like, it's like a... Uh, you know, the thing that bothers me about most other people is like, uh, I, I hate it when people are actually happy, mm -hmm. to be honest. You're you know a coach. I'm just I feel like you no, but like, love you know that, people. Like, yeah, I how know. many times have I talked to you and your biggest joy of the day is that somebody broke through a barrier they didn't think they could. So I'm calling BS. You yeah. love when people are happy. And okay, let me say this. I, I don't trust the people who... It's like that person who's just like, oh, I'm just blessed in the Lord. I'm just so happy. It's just like a joy. Like they're, it's like uh, toxic, yeah. positive people. And I think I'm like, but the thing about it is, is like how many times a day am I ignoring my feeling by trying to like turn it on and and just be positive instead of allowing myself to acknowledge my emotion. And for me, like, it's hard for me to acknowledge emotions like anger. It's hard for me to acknowledge emotions like sadness, because again, I like feeling good. And I, you know, as a Enneagram eight or whatever, and, uh, and a Scorpio for Oof, that matter. Dangerous. It's like, girl, when I tell you also my moon's in Gemini and I'm an Aquarius rising. So like triple Leo. I don't no, know. You're a triple you Leo. Nothing. Oh gosh, I know that I like you. I love a Leo because like Leos are the, I know that this is over it's your okay. head, Sarah. I'm so sorry. I The thing I like about a Leo is like, they have the ego and presentation that I want where it's just like, I'm a badass and I know it. And I don't need anybody else to inform me of this. I, because I knew I the know. moment, I tell it and all the time. They, the moment I knew I was hiring Josie was we were sitting across the table from each other at Panera. And uh, Panera I birds. was like, hey, just so you know, we've got some staff members that have a really tough time affirming. They're very like task oriented. So just so you know, that's kind of one of the difficulties about our staff or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I'm 
an Enneagram eight who has a high self-esteem. I don't need anyone to tell me that I'm okay or whatever. And I, she's like, I feel good about myself. And mm. I was, and I literally looked at my friend Katie, uh, who is at the head of our HR, and she so she's sitting beside Josie. So Josie can't see her, and she goes, because I am the opposite. <laughs> like I'm always like, oh, mm-hmm. is that okay? Like, oh, and that and but you know what that does? Yeah. It makes me police other people. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, Say more. So this is interesting. I'm so afraid of making a mistake or, uh, you know, um, I'm mm-hmm. so in, in some ways empath, intuitive. I just know how people are feeling. And so mm-hmm. what I realize is I have spent so much of my life trying to make space for people, but also then trying to police that space. Does that make sense? So like, mm-hmm. like yes. I need you to be this way. <gasps> yes. I, you know, all this, cause I want everyone, but that is inauthentic to, and so there is an actual real mm-hmm. space made. Um, and what it yeah. does is it's left me to be someone who feels like their own life has kind of disappeared because I've been so focused on, okay, don't say that, don't do that. You, you know, policing, even if it's just in my mind. Um, mm-hmm. and so I am so attracted to people who are like, I don't need you to be or do anything. And I think that's what both of you are in some ways in my life. Like the this is the space. Mm. It just is what it is. Yeah. And I think, can I just say, Sarah, top notch <laughs> self-awareness. My God. I'm so serious because like, you wouldn't have said that no. three years ago. You didn't know that three years ago, but now yeah, look true. at you. You are building a what? home in yourself. And now it's starting to manifest. I think Do you so. see that? I mean, I, I, I think there's Ooh. like all these dreams in me that have had to die because the dreams weren't for whatever reason, the thing that was going to happen in my own life. So I'm also turning 40 next week. Um, and I'm not feeling great about it because as a woman who's single and it just hurts, it's difficult. And I went through a difficult breakup thing. Uh, and I think there's this, Mm -hmm. like, who am I again? I thought I'd solved these things, but I, I, we never get to that point. Uh. Um, and who I am in the divine, who I am in God is, is, you know, I'm the person who preaches constantly. You're already loved by God. There's already space for you. But like, I feel like I've been saying that mm-hmm. from outside of the room. Everybody get in the room, mm-hmm. the space. There's so much space for you in this room. But I haven't taken up the space myself with my own person or body or dreams or hopes. Um, not yet, not but yet. I'm starting to. Um, and part of that is recognizing that I no yeah. longer need to police other people's opinions of me or mm. what they do. Um, you know, RuPaul said like other people's opinions of me are none of my yeah. business. That is exactly my life philosophy. I don't give a shit different. what you're saying about me. <laughs> <laughs> like there are very few times when I care about it. It's like, I will say like having that opinion about YouTube, I think it's kind of funny. It's like, I don't read YouTube comments because there it's a garbage pit. But every now and again, like when something's really dumb, I like will respond to it in a sarcastic way. But typically like, you know, back in the day, like I could not read my blog comments because people are, are vicious. But I also, I leave vicious comments up so that people can see you guys, this is a problem. And also if I really, if I take what I'm learning from this conversation, whatever they hate about me, they hate about themselves. So there's a lot of gay people mm-hmm. commenting on my videos. Just saying. I mean, it's actually true though. And I think the more and more we focus on the spaces that we create, 
aesthetically, um, physically, mm-hmm. uh, emotionally within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And not in a yes. toxic way of like, it's about what other people think, but it's about like, how do I feel in this? How do Yes. And also like just to say like how I feel in this space is just as important yeah, as how and somebody as a else pastor, feels. I want people to experience the divine. Um, that is, that is mm-hmm. like everything I want, but I think I've so often allowed people to um, almost treat me as the divine in that like I can really disappoint them in ways that no one else can be this disappointed uh, or I need to wholeheartedly let them walk ooh. all over me because otherwise they're going to think God is not there for them, but I'm slowly learning and it has taken heartbreak and hurt. And you want to talk about comments? Woo, people. Let me tell you what, being a lady pastor, I, so hell no. I am not Christian enough for some people and too Christian for others. Um, and so I think there's this, <laughs> there's Same. a sense of like, how do I open myself up to like, what do I need and want. And this is like, mm-hmm. I have this friend who is new in my life and he constantly will say to me, what do you want? And it like stops me in my tracks. And I'm like, uh, and it was interesting at first I did. I, I was like, that's a, I don't want you to ask me that. I don't like that. Don't ask me that. <laughs> he was like, it's a normal question. Mm, we're, I know we're taught. It's not mm-hmm. okay to want like desire. Cause desire is Whereas dangerous. If we see it as like almost like a, a leaning in of the spirit. Like, what do I want? Oh, interesting. Like mm-hmm. I want to make space literally. Like I love building things. And for so long, I made that separate from my ministry, made it separate from not seeing it as like part of my totality. And it's right. Mm-hmm. And it's part been of so interesting how many people now resonate with my work in a way that they never did before. They're like, Oh, she's a good preacher. She's a great speaker. But I wasn't speaking about like, yeah, I will spend seven hours redoing a hutch because it's the same reason I want to spend forever not giving up on you. Like it's that same, like, because I think there's something beautiful in you already. And I just want it to come to the surface and it might be like a little bit stained and chipped, but like, what if we just like sat with it and already thought it was beautiful? Like if you want to have the funniest experience, go with Josie and I to um, like a, there's a, um, humanity, what is it called? Habitat um, for humanity restore. restore. Shout out. Yeah, stuff. they've got great. So we got one in Atlanta too. Well, great the two of us will walk stuff. through and we wish we had a warehouse to redo all the pieces because we can see what it could be used for differently. Like I'm like, oh. but I think it's the same mind <sighs> when I look at other people and I can see what they can be. Mm. But the difference for the first time in my life is I'm not trying to control them getting to that spot. Um, but it's, mm-hmm. it's, ooh, that's the work, right? Can I tell you, like, because like, here's the thing is like you, you're teaching other people how to redo their own fucking <laughs> yeah. hutches. You know, you're, you're teaching people how to like find that art, that piece of good in them. That's like a little chipped and a little gross and like a little like people say it's undesirable. How do we look at it and we say, oh, my God, like I'm actually how do I stand naked in front of a mirror and tell myself yeah. I'm beautiful? It's this is why easy. I keep all my conservative friends around because i've converted many a republican to the liberal side because i i recognize it i was like listen you like people don't you you like mexicans because you like me so i mean you must whatever 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 right (laughs) 
Yeah, it's kind of like, it's everybody's, on, like, this is also an Enneagram 8 thing. We know everybody's on our side. We just Amen. haven't convinced them yet. Gosh, what does and... that be like? I... Um, it's okay. So the thing about it is, is the greatest thing about us is also the worst thing because there's, there are times when I'm overly confident, when I think I am the shit, when I need to actually, mm, I need to sand myself down. Yeah, the Ooh, arrogance is my, real. My language of sanding things down. I think there's, there is this beautiful thing too of like, you know, we have this do it yourself culture and I always say, I want it to be do it together because I'm not asking you to DIT. I know do it together culture. That's my. Oh, because the idea that. that like we don't need older people we don't need younger people i just need myself i can watch it on youtube and figure it out the truth is is no like so as no. an example um i'm now the proud owner owner of a 1973 airstream overlander <laughs> I, I, bought, I bought all the overalls and work shoes um but i um oh, so was good. in I, i've run my neighborhood for two years and I've always passed this Airstream and I've never talked to the guy, right? Why would I? Um, mm -hmm. But I've also noticed on that street that there's several older Airstreams that are like in different stages of process. And I'm like, huh, this is interesting. And like, I used to run by and just be jealous. Like I would run by and be mm -hmm. like, oh, I wish I had a house that had a driveway because I own a condo, but I live in an I live in another condo that I don't own and it has zero spot for you to put a 27 foot Airstream. But I like have this whole thing. So I would pass. I forgot that you got a she's 27 huge. footer. That's amazing. Uh, she's a big girl. Um, so I yes. run by this house all the time. And the other day I was running by it and I literally I have a friend Lou. And then I also have Josie who are people who will like ask people questions. Whereas I'm like, oh, I don't want to, you know, it's the time of COVID. So that's oh, your canadian, canadian thing british. i'm like don't make a scene yeah um although my grandmother who's british used to always say it's better to be looked at love for making a scene than not to be looked at at all so <laughs> whatever mm. she was my kind amazing. of woman but i ran past this guy and i saw him closing his garage with his 1970 overlander so similar build and i was mm -hmm. like hey what year is that he was like i think it's either a 70 or a 73 and I was like, oh, I just got a 73. And he was like, oh, he's like, actually all of the ones in this neighborhood are mine. I'm obsessed with redoing them. And he goes, all of, them? all of them. So all four. Can I buy one from him? Well, I would like to own one. Before COVID, he was like, I had this big dream of turning them all into office spaces and then putting them on this big plot of land and co-working but everyone, so one would be a certain kind of office, one would be another kind of office. So I've stripped all of them, but now we lost that land and the business deal fell through. He's like, so now we have all these Airstreams that we're turning into people's guest homes that they can like have on their property kind of thing. And that's an Airbnb right, which is what I wanted to, to happen. So him and I had this conversation and then I didn't even think about it. And the reason I say do it together versus do it yourself, because I've watched so many videos for years, five years, five Girl, years. Same. Well, well, really just five months because COVID made me <laughs> want to get a tiny Like house. I'm building it and all this sort of stuff. Like the joke is other people watch porn. I watch uh, rebuilding videos. So I, oh this, God, this guy so says true, to me. Though. That's not even a, that, Sarah, that's not <laughs> a joke. That's <laughs> just <know>. reality. <laughs> um, and any guy that's handy, I'm like, well, hello. Um, and not this guy. He's married and has children. That's not what, the, that's not where the story is going. But he said, so he said Anyways. to me, um, I would love 
to help you with anything. He's like, I've had so much experience with this. Like, um, I've redone so many of these. He's like, by the way, my name is Rich. And where do you live? I was like, I'm Sarah. I live right over here. And he's like, yeah, just drop by, leave me your number and stuff. And we'll just tour these. And maybe like, I can help you think through stuff before you get involved. And it was one of these moments where I was like, that saved me months of having to learn how to do research on my own. And because you said, said hello. hello, but I think it's that lesson too of, we don't always know what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. And the reason for community or making space and even like knowing our own desires, like instead of me just always running by and going, oh, I really want to be like them, but I can't even articulate that. Cause that seems crazy mm-hmm. when you live in the situation I live in. Um, instead right. owning it and saying, actually, this is a part of me and I want to do this thing has been transformational. And I think just to round it all up, I love that we don't have to hide parts of ourselves from God or each other, but we have to start not hiding things from ourselves. That's the first part we start with in making space, I think. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that was a long story about Airstreams, but all I'm saying is sometimes you just got to ask someone and do it together. Don't do it by yourself. Amen. And that, can I tell you, and that's the damn truth. And that's also why I started doing like this group spiritual program is because as much as I love talking one-on-one about deconstruction, you get people together in a group hearing the same stories and being able to say me too. And also just like, I'm still kind of afraid of hell, even though I don't think it's actually real. Like that's power. Just being able to, mm, because you asked Sarah Heath, very good. Well, I am so grateful for your time. I'm grateful for y'all's time. We Thank would you for like having to say me. this. We always end with what's one tangible. You've given us a bunch of things, but if you think of today, just mm. today in this moment, what's a way that someone can make space either for themselves or someone else? Mm. I'll give Ooh. you, I'll give you two things. One way you can make space for yourself um, is to find one thing that you do that is literally just for shits and gigs. Like you don't get anything out of it. You're not monetizing it. It's not a hobby that you're gonna tell many people about. Can I tell, one thing I like doing, I like coloring and I like watercoloring. And so that's one thing I do for myself that's just silly and frivolous. And it's like, it's it takes my mind off of whatever's going on. So maybe go color, do something small for yourself that is meaningful and how you can make space for other people is to make sure that you're registered to vote and get your absentee ballot in so that we can start organizing under a different administration for the revolution um and the spiritual moral uh, revival of the moral imagination that's how you can make wow space. that was a lot well thank you friends for listening uh we've got a couple of business things we want to make sure that we say first of all you can find us where josie you can find us on our personal Instagrams, Josie Takes the World or Rev Sarah Heath. Um, you can email us at makingspacespodcast at gmail.com, youtube.com slash Sarah, Rev Sarah Heath. Sarah yep, Heath. You got it. You got it. Rev Sarah Heath. Yeah, that's where you can find us. And when you find us on podcasts on Apple, you can find us on uh, Spotify. You can find us basically on anywhere that you catch your pods. Make sure, though, that you leave a comment and make sure that you rate us as well because that helps other people find our space. The other thing is 
we would love for you to leave a voicemail um, on our anchor. So anchor.fm dash making spaces. Leave us a voicemail and tell us where your favorite space is and why. Because we want to know. Um, and thank you to all the folks who have left us comments. We will make sure to add those in to the vocal part of this podcast. And so we will see you next week. Why, Josie? Because we'll be saving a space for you. We nail it. Yes, I love that. This is Josie, though, first of all. Hello. Hi, Josie. It's a pleasure to connect with you. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with you two becoming friends, but just because I feel like I'm going to get in trouble because you're like my eights. See, this is what's so funny is that you're always afraid of getting in trouble. And we're both aware that getting in trouble is an illusion (laughs) because the empire wants you to think that you could get in trouble. But the truth is the only kind of trouble we get into is good trouble. Okay.